is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live on Crowdcast, live on YouTube, maybe coming to you later to podcast, wherever you get your fine podcast. That's all good. But we have a great show for you this evening. Yeah, we do. Woo! Someday I'll get that right. When Alex feels our energy's down, he yeah. starts to pump us up a little bit, and I think he mm-hmm. sensed it. In that way, he is sort of our our theatrical uh, coach in a lot of ways. Pretty much. Listen, here's the thing, though. Mainly, it's because I'm feeling a need. Oh, my God. A need for speed. What's what? happening? Who are you right For those now? of you listening at home, Alex clearly found some sunglasses that he wanted to try on and is has a Top Gun Maverick hat. And T-shirt. Um, and he's trying to press a few. Yep, there oh, there it is. <laughs> I don't think legally we can clear this. There's no way that... So Not... real quick, while we start off the show, and I love doing this segment, what's your favorite part of sci- Scientology? What do you like best about that? What is going on with you? Because <laughs> I like the Dianetics, personally. Take, that's one of my Take favorites. those shades oh, really? off. Are you I can't. Who said that? Was that Pete or Justin? I can't tell. Are you a Tom Cruise deep fake? Let me say, <laughs> you're well. not that deep. Right? You're a shallow fake, my friend. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> would you find? Oops, Alex doesn't do well with sunglasses off and not glasses on. Uh, did you find some sort of merch pack today? No, I got a thing from Parabod for Top Gun Maverick, which is yeah, still in theaters, but also available on digital today, August 23rd. Holy you know. plugging. What is going I on see. here? Are you getting a little something on the back end of that? <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, they did send me a copy of the movie, which I'm excited to see at some point. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I, I haven't seen that in the theaters. I haven't. I, I heard it was plug. great. To be clear, nice. I'm plugging this, and I don't know. Maybe it's terrible, but I guess we'll find out. Well, I mean, it's it's Top Gun. What one I mean. of us has seen it? So you've seen it. Wow, Pete? look at Pete with the flex. Pete with the. I'm not I flexing. Movies, I but... was very casually just kind of throwing that in there. Wow, Pete. I guess it's time to take this to the review zone. Oh my god! All right, this is an exclusive review from Pete to tell us what he thinks of Top Gun Maverick in theaters now and also on digital. <laughs> What is going on with you? I don't know what's going on with you, but uh, it was uh, it was fun. I, I recommend. Oh, sorry, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was part roller coaster uh, the way they shot it. So I recommend mm. seeing on the biggest screen that you can. That way, you really feel those turns. <laughs> okay, okay, Ebert. Why don't we bring in our guest yeah. here? Please, let's get the show started. Our guest is like, this makes yes, sense. I'm stop. glad I did this. <laughs> <laughs> our guest is the creator of the book out now from Top Shelf Free Pass, Julian Hadshaw. Everybody, hello. Hey, hey. hey. Good evening to you. All. How you doing? Uh, good evening to you, and thank you so much for coming out. Thank you for coming on late. I know it is a late night for you. You're over in the UK, right? Yeah, I'm on the south coast of the UK at the moment, and it's just gone midnight here, so... All right, not to belabor this interview, but I do need to ask, what is up with the painting behind you? Yeah. That is... uh, Super creepy, but also really, really (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. That is uh, Nick Cave. uh, Mm. Yes. And my friend, comic creator, Krent Abel, drew it. He does a character called Dr. Cave, and 
yeah, loved it very much. So I kind of commissioned him to do a, a big portrait above my desk. I don't know if you can see the whole thing, but it, he is saying, "What would what is it? What would Nick Cave do?" No, uh, what a great life motto. Would, yeah, exactly. When I when I'm stuck with things, I would just turn around and run it through a Nick Cave filter. I ordered Nick Cave's murder ballads when I was like. 16 uh yes. through like columbia house where they give you pay a penny and they give you like nine cds and then you're right. beholden to them for life yeah, play that yeah. and my family was like what's wrong with this child <laughs> <laughs> with this album so i love it, nick cave yeah that's a that's a pretty heavy album um but yeah he's you know from everything he does with his his, his books to um screenplays and everything else sound scores and stuff he, you know he's a He's a horribly talented fella. <laughs> well, speaking of horribly talented fellas, why don't we talk about you and your work? Because Free yeah. Pass is so good. This is well. So I, I have a question about describing it because this focuses on a couple who seems to be, to say it colloquially, a little horned up at the moment. Um, but <laughs> at least for the first chunk of the book. It's about them sort of floating through the relationship, kind of figuring things out. Where do they stand? Where do they stand with their friends? There's a looming election for uh, not specific real world candidates, but there seems to be stand-ins going on. And then there's a swerve that happens in about, I don't know, probably 50, 100 pages in, something like that, that really sure. changes the narrative quite a bit. So how do you pitch it? How do you pitch the book? What's your elevator pitch, if there is one? Um, well, initially pitching it to Chris at Top Shelf, yeah. I, um, I sent him the first 10 pages, which are basically, for those who haven't seen the book, is a, it's the, the two main, the, the couple are in bed watching pornographic images projected on a window. Mm -hmm. So I sent those images to Chris and that kind of got his attention. <laughs> I kind of knew how to kind of reel him in a little bit. So that that was my starting point, really. And he became interested from there. And I then wrote the, the script. It was kind of lightning in a jar from there. And I wrote it in, in kind of three, four weeks. Mm, wow. Cracked through it. So I guess if I was stuck in an elevator with someone needing to pitch the idea, it... <sighs> I don't know. I'd have to kind of press the button that halts the elevator mid-floor. <laughs> Always a great move in a pitch. Trap yeah, the he'd, person. He'd trap the person and kind of break them down. It, it's kind of a reflection of what I was seeing going on at the time. My, my kind of other books have been very much Tim Ginger, which is my first book with Top Shelf, and Cloud mm -hmm. Hotel, which is my second one. The two main characters are pretty much me. They're the avatars for me working through the story. This one, I wanted to keep a stand back from the story and invent this character called Huck, who I then push through a kind of a moral maze, really. He has to do deal with a lot of issues, whether that's kind of his relationship, potential open relationship with his partner, and then the power and the influence that big tech is having on society as a general with the election looming and then how that technology enters the bedroom and upsets the relationship. Can we, uh, are, are you okay if we talk about spoilers a little bit for the book? And if you're not, that's do. fine. Yeah, no, go for it, man. Yeah. 
Okay, so the thing I want to be clear to people is, so what you just described, I think, very well describes the first chunk of the book, and it mm. does feel like this very typical top shelf, relationshipy book, sad people wandering through their lives, and I, I love it, don't get me wrong, I love top shelf stuff, but about, as I said, of 50 to 100 pages of the book, their friend gives them a present, which mm. is this blank robot that could become anybody you want, and you can fuck it as much as you want so where where did that idea come from <laughs> that's a real third third rail subject isn't it that one um, i don't know it came from the darkest recess of my smutty imagination i guess it's just looking at where te technology tends to kind of the spearhead tends to be porn and sex doesn't it whether it's the the vhs and the betamax wars why VHS won out because of the pornography that was involved in it. Um, and I just think this is where we're going to end up. We are going to end up in virtual reality. Relationships are going to become weirder and less um, tactile, for want yeah. of a better word. And the fact that we've all got an internet presence, which is what you described, this robot. If you have an internet presence, this robot can then morph into you basically. And that, that leads to some pretty odd um, ethical questions, I think, really. Yeah. Um, it, it gets pretty messy at that point. I mean, it's all very well having your having your free pass to listen, you know, whoever that might be. It's never going to happen. You can, we can sit with your partners and come make up a list and it's all good fun and giggles. But if that person then arrives in your bedroom, the dynamic in your relationship takes a huge pivot at that point. And I, I don't, you know, we're, we're struggling to deal with social media and how it's rewiring our brains to have that enter your bedroom. I think is just a fucking bombshell yeah. ready to go off. It's going to rewire our lives. But what I love yeah. about the book yeah. is like the scene you described at the top and we see from the outside of the house, all these mm. pornographic images projected. That's sort of like an overture for the topics you're going to get into and technology projecting those images. That's something that, you know, people a hundred years ago would be like, that's crazy. That would change my life. A projector for sex. And yeah. then you just like double it up for us. You put us in sort of the before period for this next idea, which I just love how you sort of sneak up on us. And the, uh, the art I think does that as well. Cause the art remind me of like, um, uh, like 90s MTV style or just okay. like sort of a, a, a it put it at the same age as the characters in a way for me and I really love that because it put a flag in something that then they are looking forward to this thing in sort of the same way at least I am at my age yeah well that's very kind thank you um yeah I was really pleased with the art style with my previous book Cloud Hotel I think I'd kind of I'd overloaded the panels somewhat and with this one, I wanted to, a lot of these panels, I just indicate the backgrounds with a brush mark of a building or some furniture or something. I try to let the pages breathe a little bit more. And I think that benefits the page layout and everything. And it kind of, I also reverted back to, I used to be an animator. So I kind of pulled back in some of my old stylings from that as well. So you mentioned it, MTV kind of ties back into that. <laughs> Uh, we actually have a question here that ties into this from the comments. Mm. Derek Mainhart says, reminds me a bit of another top shelf book, Box Office Poison by Alex Robinson. Was that an influence? 
It, uh, no, it wasn't an influence. Um, I don't think I've really read the book. The only Alex Robinson book I've got is Too Cool for School. Yeah! I fucking adored, and I remember reading it and reached out to him. I emailed him. I think I was just about to have my first book top shelf and I just you know, I was kind of touching four locks and hi Alex, you know, I'm just about to have my first book top shelf, just read your book. It's a scene at the end with his I believe it's his father's dying. Yeah. Uh oh man, it made me cry. It had a, such an oh, emotional yeah. gut punch to it. Um and any book that can do that, it, I I'm in awe of. So I, I don't know the book, the one that you've just mentioned, I should probably get hold of that one. But um his Alex storytelling is brilliant. I think that the one that I, I have read, he's just um, kind of people like him and um, Kevin Huzanga, because yeah, yeah, and mm -hmm. some things like that. Just a very slow, meditative sense of storytelling, which I really mm -hmm. enjoy. The, the panels are very calm and settled. It's almost like a if you're doing it, if it's like a locked off camera. There's no whiz bang. The, the panels right. are mm -hmm. just a nine grid panel or something. Uh, I really admire people who do that quite simple but very complicated storytelling. Yeah, I, oh, go well, ahead, Pete. While we're talking about influences and stuff, uh, first mm. off, the, the way it kind of starts where we're almost the neighbors and then we kind of like pull in. I love the the not only kind of like um, uh, just the, the slow kind of build that we have, but also the fact that we're kind of zooming into this couple's life and how they operate and their kind of like their jobs and how all the technology you said affected you. You really explore a lot of really cool ideas, not only artistically, but with the, uh, this couple, you know, I, I'm really impressed by the exploration and stuff like that. I was just wondering where there are kind of movies or stories that kind of really opened your mind and influenced you that you were kind of, uh, um, I think someone who I just had mentioned, Kevin Husanga. Yeah. Um, am I saying his name right? Apologies if I'm getting I think his so. name wrong. Yeah. Or I'm, we're pronouncing it wrong either way. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> he, he absolutely was an influence in my storytelling. And people like Seth and his book, George Sprott, or things like that, just a very subtle storytelling. Um, it, <laughs> It's hard often with influences because I tend to, when I begin to write a story, I stop reading. I completely right. cut myself off. Oh, wow. Interesting. Because um, I've just finished my next book and I haven't looked at a comic for probably six months. Oh, wow. Wow. I just kind of go stealth mode, off grid. And then, so I've got a couple of more games of cricket over the weekend and then I'm going comic <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go down to my local comic shop and just splurge and just try and catch up on what I've missed. Um, so often influences I try and avoid. It's, they're all in there. They're all subconsciously going to be sure, played yeah. out. Right. Um, whether it be kind of, um, you know, films like Her probably influence a little mm. bit of this. Mm -hmm. you know. mm -hmm. yeah, they're, all gonna, they're all going to come through in some kind of different way. But I, I don't think I actually kind of consciously was... was pulling from anywhere at that point. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting, the amount of stuff 
and very current stuff that you're balancing. You've talked a little bit about AI and tech encroaching on our lives and our bedrooms, mm-hmm. but you've also got COVID in there. You've got this looming election that feels like a countdown clock to explosion throughout yeah. the book. <laughs> Yet ultimately, again, without getting into too many spoilers, mm-hmm. uh, from my mind, it ends up almost very hopeful and positive at the end. So uh, talk a little bit about that and what your intention was in terms of tackling these very weighty, very dark subjects, but then having a relatively positive twist at the end. Yeah, I mean, things things with COVID, as as I was kind of, I was kind of writing as I was still drawing, but as I was pulling the whole thing together, we were kind of tipping into COVID at the start. And I guess all three of us and everyone else that's listening, we've all got our opinions on how we felt that social media behaved with information that we were given and we were able Mm. to dissect and everything to do with Pfizer and Johnson, whatever it was, there was so much going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had really poisonous elections over here in, in the UK. Um, and that's played out horribly with Boris Johnson and everything. And you've had your own. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Yep. Who are you yep. talking about specifically? <laughs> and a follow <laughs> politics. Yeah. It's, it's not been, not been an easy ride for either country. I don't think in the past four no. or five years. And it did get to a point I've always, you know, growing up, I kind of used, used to go down to the ballot and I used to count the ballots. My mum got me involved in that. So I was always oh, kind of nice. involved and always voted. And for the first time in the last general election, I wrote on my ballot paper, I can't in good conscience vote for any of you. Wow. Oh, wow. And, and that's the first time I've ever done that. I've always voted for whoever I voted for. So I felt very negative. So I wanted to finish the book with something positive. Wow, and I, nice. I do, I, Jen, I do think something good would come off this because we are kind of lurching hard right in some ways and hard left in other ways. Yeah. I think the majority of people are pretty down yeah we all we all want good health care and all this kind of stuff but we are just being pitted against each other and i just kind of really the main character huck he kind of i brought a bit of myself to him there it's just he he thinks there has to be a better way we are being lied to by the it late we've got labor and tories over here who are just they're just making shit up as they go along yeah we, we need to we need to find a better way for humanity to progress at the moment. And I think, well, you know, I think I think we're getting to a point where there will be a grounds change. And I really do think so. And I hope so. I hope that as well. It feels that way. I, one thing I want to say sort of on that, I feel like mm. you talked about the sort of uh, tactile nature and I, like you're saying, the um, sort of lighter background. And I feel like you really see a lot of both the sex and intimacy in the book, but also the everyday objects. And I feel like that gets you so close to this and mm-hmm. then the technology sort of pushes you back. And then the message and the, I think the election reflects this of like, we need to be around each other and to take care of each other. Yeah. Like that sort of push pull. I, I really like that sort of energy of the story. And I was surprised to have it be so sexual about sex and then flip mm-hmm. so hard to election is uh, <laughs> what, was that just you mashing up or politics? Politics is a better way of saying it. It was that you, do you think that uh, in general, or is this sort of the nature of the story sort of took you on this journey? Kind of between the hard cuts between the sex and the politics. It's like uh, it's politics and sex, or 
or intimacy or like just connecting those two ideas. You don't see a lot of stories that do that. They're both kind of entertainment. They're sold as entertainment. <laughs> True, that's fair. That's, yeah, so, that's sort of alarming, but fair, yeah. Yeah, and, and <laughs> we, we could sit on our laptops and flip-flop between hardcore porn and everyone giving their hot take on politics. And you just go back and forth, oh, back well. and forth. And it's, uh, and that's it's what just, I'm doing tonight. So they think <laughs> <laughs> it just becomes this blurred line between what we're being sold as a diversion, really. And interesting sex and politics preoccupies most people's mind for most of the time, really. One probably more fun than the other, I would say. Though. <laughs> One more stressful than the other. That's for yes. Sure. Well, <laughs> arguable. Uh, the wow, hot take up top. <laughs> Top Gun, watch out! <laughs> your ego is already checked. Your body can't cash. Technically, oh, don't do that. Stop we doing that. that. No, yeah. Nothing. Uh, anyway, that. what I was going to say, I mean, bouncing off of that a little bit, my ultimate takeaway from the book, which I really uh, liked a bit, and I'm curious to hear if this was what you were going for, is that it's ultimately about care about something. You know, whether you have. You can't just spend all your time in your bedroom with a blank robot that you're just getting physical pleasure from. You need to figure out how to be with the people you're with. You can't just watch a political nightmare unfold without getting involved in some way. You you need to connect with people. You need to care about things. Is that part of, uh, not to say moral of the story, but sort of the moral that you're going for here? Yeah, very much so. I think it's... Um watching documentaries like The Social Dilemma and things like that, mm. where you realize that the people behind the apps and the programs have designed this to be so addictive, so horribly, as you're describing yeah. earlier, we, we are being rewired. And the very fact that COVID has then put us all in our little boxes for 18 months, not being out of touch and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it is a... It is a Skinner box. Technology is a Skinner box. We will return, get a dopamine hit time and time and time again. And I don't know about you guys, but I I barely spend any time on social media now. I really mm. don't. I will ping something on Instagram or um, Twitter and I just shut it down. I'm, you know, People respond to me, reach out to me. I will absolutely interact with them. But I certainly don't go around giving my opinions and I just... I just treat it as a device to post some nice pictures and then I go on my merry way. And I think more and more people, especially that I know, are definitely going in that direction. I just thought, I'm done. I've had it. Yeah, I think we can say we're all pretty healthy, barely on Twitter. <laughs> or anybody here. I'm sensing a huge sarcasm. Very sarcastic. Let me put on these uh, sunglasses <laughs> real quick. For no <laughs> Uh, I, could, I mean, that could be a generational thing, though. I, I think I'm probably a wee bit older than you. But I think what you're saying is true. I just think mm -hmm. we're maybe, I mean, everyone's different. I, I'll speak for myself. I may be more mm -hmm. addicted and more tied into it for, like, news and uh, news about politics. Specifically, sure. I read a lot of Twitter for politics. And that's, it's an unhealthy, I know it's unhealthy when I'm doing it. And I'm like, I could, when it resets to the top, I'm like, this is so bad for, and I, if you're the documentary you were mentioning, I think I watched it during COVID. It was very stressful with all the yeah. tech people talking about how like 
Yeah, we made this. It's very addictive. I don't let my kids do it. It's awful. I invented it, though. I But I'm fine with it. I invented it, and it's bad for everyone, including And they were being interviewed in a very palatial house. Rich, all rich. Look what I've got. I know. That was like, I was like, oh, this is such a heart punch watching these people talk about it. And then um, I posted my opinions on Twitter around the documentary. (laughs) (laughs) I think I did my good work. Uh, Julian, other than free pass, what are you working on? Or are you in the middle of a cricket break right now and looking forward to the next thing? Uh, two more games of cricket, two huge more games of cricket. Um, that's the, then that's the end of the season. But I've just finished today thumbnailing out my next book, um, which is uh, set in space. Ooh, nice. It involves uh, uh, an emotional support chicken. <laughs> and and a girl who has a huge piece of space junk bolted to her head and she's in, infected by the memories of the metal and how it infuses into her brain whoa so, awesome so it's it's yeah it's a complete departure from censorship <laughs> self-censorship and the i've taken i've taken it away from earth Oh, excellent that's good that's how julian love free pass great book congratulations on it yeah and, congratulations uh, please uh, get to bed thank you for staying up late for yeah. us good luck <laughs> in the cricket yeah thank you guys appreciate it love the, the, the glasses by the way <laughs> do you want to see them again no, 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 no we got it we got it they will haunt my dreams good night julian take care bye-bye <laughs> All right, there we go. Once again, the book is called Free Pass. It's out now from Top Shelf, so definitely check it out. And it's by Julian Hanshaw. Book's great. Gorgeous, it's a really great too. book. Yeah, uh, I love it. It was really fun to read. Oh, yeah. All right, it is time for our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It is your audience question. <laughs> And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question in Ask a Question on Crowdcast or drop it in the comments over on YouTube. But before we get to that, we actually have a sponsor for this week's episode. Uh, Top Gun. It's not, surprisingly not Top Gun. They haven't actually given us any money for this, but. Uh, Then why are you working so hard for it, bro? uh, Because it changes life. Alex uh, is a different man now. It could happen. Lunatics Radio Hour is a podcast hosted by two horror and history nerds, Abby and Alan, who combine their passions to explore the folklore behind popular horror tropes and films. Hungry for more info about the history of cannibalism? Bored mm. of not knowing the history of Regi boards? Oh, want to know the history... Uh, I wrote this, not them. Uh, If you want to know the history behind the tropes and popular paranormal cases, as well as hearing some short horror stories submitted by listeners that complement that theme, then don't go nuts. Listen to Lunatics Radio Hour anywhere you listen to podcasts. Oh, did you see what he did there? Nuts and then lunatics? I I don't get it, but I'm going to listen back and take some notes and try to. Oh, okay. All right. You should definitely listen back. But that sounds fun. I like the interactive aspect of it uh, for sure. Absolutely. So definitely check that out. And other things you should check out is what we're drinking tonight. Mm, Now, the official drink of tonight, as curated by Brett Macris. Stray Bullies. Stray Bullies, a.k.a. our official CBC chef, is from a coloring book that he has that also has Marvel drinks. A drinking coloring book. Drinking coloring book. Classic. And tonight we're drinking the Daredevil Daiquiri, which is a daiquiri. Yeah. There you go. It, 
I uh, I made it up. It was uh, nice. It was. I love the ingredient list. Three things. There Rump, you go. Uh, simple syrup and um, lime. And I'll tell you what, nice. it was good. I threw some orange slices in there as well. Ooh. Squeezed them in a little bit just wow. to give a little variety to the lime. Mm-hmm. I mean, excellent. Nice. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Always love a good daiquiri. Thank you, Daredevil. Pete, Huge what are you... daiquiri guy, Daredevil. <laughs> yes. You wouldn't think so, but I guess so. Here, uh, here's a fun fact for you. You know who invented the daiquiri? Teddy Roosevelt. That's true. Yes. Oh, yes. He invented, he invented it as a celebration drink when they hit the beaches of Cuba during the... That guy did a lot. But he was yeah. around at a time before a lot of stuff was figured out. So he had a lot of opportunities. And he always said, walk softly and carry a big swizzle stick for missing your <laughs> sweet old daiquiri. <laughs> oh, my God. Pete, what about you? What are you drinking tonight? Um, we're out of... Uh... So I'm rating my brother's Pacifico beers. Ah, you know, mm. I love a Pacifico. What a oh, great yeah. summer beer. Yeah, this is a nice summer beer. Hey, JT, Sizzle, what's that on your shirt, though? I'm, I'm curious about. This? What, yeah. Uh, this is, uh, oh, this? It's for Top Gun Maverick, I which is now JT. in theaters. And I'm on nobody's Disney. talking oh, to you. Sorry, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, sorry. This is uh, One-Eyed Jacks. Um, this T-shirt uh, references a, uh, a bar in the TV show Twin Peaks. Oh, that's why I was like, he's not a Joker head. That's not a J for a Joker. No. Okay, no, it's not. One eye Jack. It's sure. a bar slash strip club slash bath. Bad stuff happens there in the Twin Peaks series. Oh, we got okay. a couple of questions here. This is from Kevin, who I saw in person today. Very briefly, that was wow, wow, know, right? Humble brag. Yeah, sorry. What are some of your favorite uses of black and white? In comics, film, or TV, inspired by our guest for our audio podcast listeners, our guest was in black and white. Sure was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, Eastman and Letters Change Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, come on. Yeah. We've actually just started adding that answer in post to yeah. whatever question comes up. So you don't great. actually need It's already going oh, to be in there. Well, then I'll just say uh, uh, gravel then. No, concrete. That's what I meant to say. Concrete. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Uh, two two very out. different books. Concrete yeah. is a great call. Um, I, I, uh, DC does their black and white um, sort of series and has for quite some time um, that I think gets into a lot of great. The, they'll have an, a lot of times it'll be an artist um, who will just do a bunch of great stories for a character in black and white or a series of artists. And um, those are really good. Uh, I'm going to say the first and last part of the Wizard of Oz. It gets a little wonky and weird in the middle chunk there when they go. I don't know, even know what's going on. But the part where she's on a farm before the tornado, I get oh, that, yeah. and it's very cool. I would love to oh, see that yeah. as a full movie. Maybe when that turned whole- to color, I ran screaming out of. Can you head. stop talking about movies? We're doing a fucking comic book talk show, you asshole. It says comics, film, or TV, and there was a yeah. whole great comic book of Wizard of Oz, which also. I didn't read any of that because it was all in color. Wow. Truly terrifying. Let me also shout out um, the uh, in Starman, um, one of my favorite comic series of all time. There was an issue uh, once a year where Starman would talk to his brother, previous mm. Starman, who uh, was um, dead. And they were always in black and white. Um, and uh, it was really cool. I'll tell you what, this is not apropos of this question at all, other than it just occurred to me. It feels like now that we finally have a Sandman TV show, we got to get a Starman TV show. Like, not Stargirl. Stargirl exists, but, like, legit well, adaptation of Starman, right? At some I point. mean, I, that's when Stargirl came out, I was like, well, there goes that lunch. has been eaten by Stargirl. <laughs> oh, wow. When I do think, and uh, 
like I like Stargirl, the TV show. We've covered it for oh, years yeah. on uh, on the podcast. Um, but on, Starman uh, like definitely was a, a big series for me. So I, I wish we would see it, but I don't think we will. This is from Stray Bullet. If an advanced AI robot is programmed to love, does it love? Hmm. First of all, you Whoa. should check out a little show called Westworld. Oh, yeah. I know. I'll give you some answers. You know what? I don't watch watch TV, Alex. Would you just walk us through the story real quick of West? Yeah, no problem. So it starts off with a train that is pulling into a station at Sweetwater, a small... (laughs) Never mind. I'm not going to do that. I can't believe you remember the beginning. (laughs) I've seen the documentary WALL-E, so I know that robots can love. Mm. Oh, wow. That's... A lot of truth to drop. Um, program to love is real love. I'm going to say no. Mm. I'm going to say but, no. So you're well, saying Johnny Five wasn't alive? Is what you're saying? <laughs> uh, I would argue Johnny Five was alive. But okay, he, well then, what uh, the fuck are you talking about then? I, I do think okay, not to get too Something actually technical and real about it. I do think there's a difference between like robot and AI because artificial intelligence implies the ability to learn something and grow and change from it. So if you are able to do that, I think potentially you can understand the concept of love. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, And we got another another robot question. This is from Derek Mainhart. What politician would you program... What politician... I really should vet these beforehand. What politician would you program your transforming sex robot into? Try to limit it to your top three. (laughs) Politicians. Wow. Really took the themes themes and bummed us out. But I guess Teddy Roosevelt, probably. I mean, I bet he's a rough lover, but a fantastic one. He's a rough rider. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. (laughs) It's literally. Uh, Bully for you, says Derek. Yeah, talk softly and carry a big stick. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we already did that joke. I know. It's a callback. It's a callback. Um. That's a, I mean, Teddy Roosevelt, you know, I was just looking up Teddy Roosevelt because I was like, what what did he do again? And I was like, oh, he went on a safari and killed 500 animals. His whole history and his whole family is insane. They had so many animals in the White House. One of my favorite things, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting her exact name, but there's uh, one of his daughters had a garter snake she carried around in her purse around the White House, and it was named Emily Spinach. <laughs> and Ooh, occasionally, she name. and the other Roosevelt kids would, like, release snakes at state dinners to scare everybody. One uh, time, she uh, did that in the middle of Congress, and everybody screamed and ran out. Good times. Classic. Good times. Yeah. Those crazy kids, man. Yeah, Totes. she's wild. What a, uh, Emily Spinach. Wild. Emily Spinach. Yes. Uh, Derek would like to know if Emily Spinach was a sex AI, and that is insulting... To, to our history. Yes, to, to American our... history. Nelson Martinez over on YouTube says, what are some of your favorite crossovers in comics? And have you guys checked out Harley and Ivy meets Betty and Veronica? I just picked it up and excited to check it out. Whoa. Ooh, I haven't read that. That, that does sounds sound fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. I thought we reviewed that on the stack. Didn't maybe we, we did. Actually, now that you're, because it's older. It's not. Yeah, it's uh, a couple of years old. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Maybe, maybe we uh, did. When you said just picked it up, I thought it was new. Yeah, I thought it was a fresh. If you haven't read it, it's due to you. Hashtag NBC nineteen ninety. Uh nice. And it's crazy they knew to hashtag it back then. <laughs> <laughs> Always ahead of their time. Yeah. The single Pound guy, simple. hashtags, two I things know, ahead of their people. time. 
People are single now. They really yeah. had uh, universal yeah. themes. So that said, what are some of your favorite crossovers in comics? Like big time crossovers. You're talking cross company crossovers. I think mm-hmm. I mean, I'll pivot off of what Pete said earlier. One of my favorite crossovers is Cerebus and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That I think was my first crossover as a kid. And I was like, what is happening? You got into comics through Cerebus? No, I was reading Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I was like, who's this guy? How is he showing up here? What's happening? This is very confusing. Yosagi Ojimbo also rolls through in a sweet crossover. Uh, Stray Bullet says Batman and Elmer Fudd. That was a fun one. I'm going to throw out. I mean, Batman's crossed over with almost everyone. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Also uh, truth. Uh, but I want to throw out um, a, a weird one. Batman Hellboy Starman um, was mm, a fun one. That's where a great issue. You, it was great stuff. I think it was two two parts. And you don't usually see that sort of triple hit. Uh, and it was a fun one. Yeah. Pete? Oh, you already said Yusaki Ujibo. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to uh, remember, like, huge ones that were good, and it's hard, because I, usually, like, huge events are like, well, uh, there's Punisher a lot of work. Punisher meets Archie? Um, and and not, not so great. Not, not what about um, Archie versus Predator? Also, Top Gun versus Alex. <laughs> That's one where we're all. Oh yeah, Ben the whoever, whoever wins, we lose. You know, there was there yeah. was a fun spawn Batman uh, back in the day. That was cool. Right. I, I did appreciate how much Batman got around and teamed up uh, with people because he doesn't seem like he works well with others, but it's impressive what he can accomplish. Totally agree. Meeting other people. And that is it for your audience questions. We're going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Oh, that's probably not a good wow. idea. Trivia already. Already. We're cruising through it. I've got a need for speed, you guys. Oh, boy. Uh, do we have somebody? or No. Nope. First oh, hand oh, up. First hand up guy. All right. First hand up. Whoever wants to do trivia, raise your hand either on Crowdcast or YouTube. Just say, hey, or me, me, me. We will pull you in, and you will compete for twenty-five free dollars. Twenty-five free dollars. Pete in compete because it's you versus Pete. Is that the first time you said that in fifteen years? It is, and I'll tell you what: I've been asleep with the switch. (laughs) Switch. (laughs) How do I? How do I have that? (sighs) Wild. Well, who who would have thought we had? Who would have thought we would have new stuff to say to each other? This man. Uh, Yeah, we we can give it up to a charity. Um, Any any charities you want to give it up to? What? No no one's raising their hand? What is this? What is this world? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'll find something good. I'll find something good. Well, maybe there'll be, you know, the kids who want to go see Top Gun uh, charity that you can donate to. Top Gun charity. Yeah. Scientology. There we go. All right. We are going to do $25 to Scientology. Here we go. All right. uh, Today's trivia is on topical (laughs) comic news and a small nod to the legend and Heish. R.I.P. You're welcome, Selby. Oh, wow. All right. Here we go. Please listen to all three options before you make your selection. Heish, Selby. Yeah. uh, Thank you, Chef. Yeah. Uh, Question number one. In the edge of Spider-Verse number four, what is the name of the singing spider princess? Is it 
A, Diva Plava Luguna, B, okay. Spinstress, or C, Sigourney Weaver? So, B is the correct answer, and A is a shout-out to the fifth element. Oh, I, I do love the say, fifth, fifth element. That's a great Yeah, movie. I was going to say, that was a surprising series of words to hear you say for an answer yeah. that was incorrect. Yep. I'm going to say B. B? Uh, well done. Well done. Wow. I, mean, I, was, I, wish, I wish you would check with me before you do Oh, that. I'm sorry, Justin. Because I was going to go with, number two. with B. What is the name of the new Blue Beetle comic coming out in November? Is it A, John B. Riley? Is it B, Graduation Day? Or C, John C. Riley? Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> How is this getting easier? <laughs> We're getting smarter is the only Oh, thing. right. Uh, okay, there we go. I'm going to say B. B? B is uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't check with Justin again. I forgot. Oh, I'm sorry. That's crazy. Yeah. Was John C plus Riley an answer, a possible answer? No, 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 it wasn't. Uh, here we go. Question number B. three. What is the name of the comicsology comic about monsters in the Prohibition era New York? Is it A, I am Groot, B, Blood Oath, or C, C Stephen Root? Mm. Oh, wow. Kevin. Oh, wow, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna say wait, Justin, why don't you take this one? Ah, uh, nice. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry, uh, Pete. Could I get the question one more time? Uh, uh, say B, a... blood oath. Oh, it wasn't the oh. first one, which was um, I am Groot. That's <laughs> Something right. that clearly is not correct. I'm gonna go with B. Correct. Wow. Congratulations. We did it. We're going to give $25 to Scientology. I'm just kidding. I'll find an actual proper charity to give it to. I would hope so. Yes. And the Anne Heche movie that Kevin calls out is Cedar Rapids? That is correct. Of course, we're talking about the 2011 hit Cedar Rapids. Great. Tell me one more detail about it. Uh, Ed Helms is in it. Oh man, he got me. <laughs> yeah, he's got the cast I, pulled up. As we all know, new comics are coming out all the time. What are you looking forward all to, Pete? I'm looking forward to Beware of the Eye of Odin number three and Justin's favorite Deadly Class number fifty-five. Mm. Now you jump it in on my pick. That's right, you Justin. You got one, or you want me to jump in? Um, do you want to, to jump into your own? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'll throw out one. One that I'm very interested in is Rogues Gallery, number two from Image Comics. The first issue was about this woman who the internet kind of hates, quits a CW-style superhero show, and her ex-fans decide to rob her house to liberate an original issue of the comic that the show is based on. There's a wild cliffhanger at the end. The second issue, very curious to see how they handle things after that cliffhanger and how things happen. Um, so curious about that book. What about you, Justin? I'm going to give it up for the Lonesome Hunters number three by Tyler. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah. Uh, this comic about um, an unlikely matched uh, duo of a guy who sort of ran from his job as an occult hunter. Uh, and then a girl who is orphaned uh, or several members of her family um, die under unfortunate circumstances. And they are put together because of a, an awkward interaction with a bunch of ravens. And it's really well done. The art's really nice. I like that book a lot. Yeah. That's Good stuff. How we came together. 
And all of those books are going to be in our Stack Podcast that drops Wednesday 9 a.m., both in the Comic Book Club feed and in its own dedicated Stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. Thank you so much to Julian Hanshaw for coming on. Definitely check out Top Shelf's Free Pass, which is in stores now. Next week, we have a pack show with a bunch of guests. Quinn Johnson, Robert Q. Atkins, and Carolyn Shuda are going to be here to talk Elders of the Runestone. Also, Rich Watkin is going to be here to talk about digital. we got a couple of other podcasts. We can plug Lock and Key Unlocked finished up its run on the TV Ah, show. Great. Maybe forever. Uh, so you can check out every single episode of that right now. Also, Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, is recapping She-Hulk. It's very cool, very chill, no yelling yes. going on whatsoever. All positive takes, no stress, no argument. Uh, the See Doom you. Room, our Doom Patrol podcast, is rolling out every Thursday. And we have a special episode posted on Monday, a yeah! interview with Stephanie Chikowski, who plays Hammerhead. Hammerhead, come this- on! Yes, you can so check cool. out... Pete totally losing his mind during this interview. It's very fun. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do. Subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night! Good night!